Well, good evening again. It's good to be here. Tonight, uh, we just agreed with Brother Joe that this is the infallible truth. We all agree with that. This means yes, this means no. The other thing I'd like for us to agree on tonight is this, that uh, Tiger Woods, we know probably who he is, who he was, the world championship golf player, is a game that only one single man can hold the entire championship to himself. There's not a team involved. He's all by himself. And he had this, he was on the throne of golf championship until one night he had an accident, drove his car into the ditch, and they got to the scene and they found out two things that nobody knew about Tiger Woods. He had been drinking, and there was a woman with him that was not his wife. His career crashed. He attempted to bring it back up, uh, but I don't think it's ever going to come again. But it was about a month ago, someone asked him a question and asked him, how could you lie for so long to so many people. And his answer was, and this is what I want to bring home tonight to us, his answer was, because I was lying to myself. Now, brothers and sisters, I, I want to trust tonight that we're honest with ourselves. There's a whole lot that you know about yourself. You know what's going on in here. You know where you stand. You know who you are you know where you are, and you know who's telling you the things that you learn. You know where your information's coming from. There's a lot that we know. Message tonight, the title is, Which Kingdom Are You In? We have two kingdoms. There is, and I'm not here to preach the kingdom concept, the two kingdom concept to you, but we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, Jesus could clearly tell Pilate when Pilate told him, he said that, don't you know that I have the power to crucify you or I have the power to release you? Jesus answered and said to him, he said, I, you have no power over me except that which is given from my Father which is in heaven. And he asked him about truth, and Jesus says, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, he said, then would my servants fight. But my kingdom is not from hence. Isaiah 53 writes this, He grew up as a tender plant in dry ground. Now, brothers and sisters, we know what Isaiah is talking about here, that he grew up as a tender plant, it would be like me trying to bring, or one of you would go down to southern, maybe in Miami, you would pick up a plant, you would bring it up here to Seattle, and you would plant it. You would have to provide a special soil, you would have to provide a greenhouse effect to it, and keep it warm and keep it from freezing, uh, because it would never adapt to this climate. And so our Lord came from glory down to earth in a place that he was didn't, uh, didn't fit. And, but all his life, 
in 33 years of living here, 30 years prior to the prior to the mission that was actually appointed unto him in those days. There is, John said, if everything was written that happened in those days, the world could not contain the books. But brothers and sisters, it says here that, that uh, uh, so, but he never ever adapted to the climate, to the society, in thought, in word, or in deed. Never a bad thought. Never a curt remark. He actually said one day, is there any sin that you can pin upon me. There was not. Pilate, the sitting in the judgment hall, says, I find no fault in him. Nothing. He was the perfect son of God. I find no fault in him. So he, he is the one that said, and, and can we with a clear heart and a clear conscience echo the words of our Lord tonight and really truly say, and I hate to use those words, that my kingdom is not from here. You see, that tonight we have, there, there are two kingdoms, and there was a time when, when God sent forth His Son, the kingdom of God was consecrated, it came down from glory, and it was consecrated into a womb of a virgin. And out of that womb, was born the kingdom of God, a little baby that brought in, that, that brought in, that introduced and brought into this kingdom, into very, into the very kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of light proceeded forth. Light has come forth. It went, this is the kingdom of darkness here, and it, it came right into the midst of that kingdom. And brothers and sisters, we are in a time, one of the most dangerous times uh, that I can remember. I, I, can, uh, I can, and there's brothers here that can tell you the same thing. In the last five to seven years, I have never seen things change so fast. But I want to assure you in one thing, there is a line. There is a line in history that I didn't draw, and that you didn't draw, but God drew the line. And on that line is the old rugged cross. On one side are gathered all the demons and the devils of hell. On the other side is the angels of glory. On one side, the unbelievers. On the other side, the overcomers. And there is a line and I, and I want us to be real honest tonight. On which side of the line are you on? Do you know on which side you are? Are you assured that if you was to take your last breath before you woke up in the morning, that you would end up in the bosom of the Father? Are you absolutely sure? I'm not here to plant doubt in your mind. But let's go through a little bit of why. You know, the kingdom, and, and there, is, there is a line here. This line, as, as, uh, as society, churches around us, and even creeping into Anabaptist churches, this line is becoming gray. 
This line is becoming, it's no longer distinct that the, the kingdom of the, we, we talk about the attempt to merge these two kingdoms together. Each of these kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness out around here has a king. And that king desires and wants to compel you to worship him. He is a king. The Lord Jesus Christ called him the God of this world. He is the God of the world, of this world that we live in. Each of these kingdoms, in, inside the kingdom of light here, there is also, there is also a king. And he has, he, he, does, he desires that you worship him as well. And the kingdom of heaven, and John, John the Baptist introduced that. He was the prophet that came, we're just going to call this the kingdom of light for right now. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of light, kingdom of God, all the same thing. Kingdom of darkness, kingdom of the world, that's, that's what this is. We'll label this on the outside. <clears throat> the kingdom of darkness is ruled by a king. That rules many subjects. Each of these kings has subjects. And the subjects are, they are, they are subject unto the king. Both of those kings desire loyalty. Not divided loyalty. Well, the one might be okay with divided loyalty, I'm not sure. But Jesus Christ, and we're going to talk about the kingdom of light a little bit tonight, that he, uh, before we, and this is how distinct that, that the kingdom of light wherein Christ is king where he has come down in the, in the midst of the kingdom of darkness, and no, we can't see a visible, uh, literal king uh, palace and all that, but they're, they're, the kingdom of light here, uh, it doesn't have boundaries. Neither does it have uh, certain nations. It is whosoever will. And the kingdom of light comes down here, and Jesus, it is so distinct that Jesus... Uh, was walking one day, I think we read this in Luke 9, and there's a, there's a person come up to him, a, a man come up to him, he says, Lord, I will follow thee. But he said, first, uh, let me go bury my father. Well, I, I, I read this statement many times already, and I thought about this is probably one of the most uh, uh, rude, if you would have it, statements that Jesus ever made. Here was a man that his dad had died, and he just, he just told the Lord, I, I want to follow you, but first I want to bury my father. And Jesus looked at him and said, let the dead bury the dead. You go preach in the kingdom of God. Wow. Another man said, I will follow thee, but first just let me go to my house and tell my relatives goodbye. Jesus said to him, if any man puts his hand to the plow and looks back, he is not worthy of the kingdom of God. That's pretty sharp words. Are you going to follow? When will you follow? When will you start? Have you decided to start? You know, the, kingdom, the kingdom of darkness is, uh, is, is out here. This is, this is wherein... And this is, uh, 
There's a statement come up today that talked about intentional direction. And in the Christian life, we make intentional moves. We are intent with our direction. We have a way to walk. We have a way to go. And we, we don't, uh, we don't uh, intend to get diverted from that. In Matthew 3, we have a couple verses there. We will be jumping around in several scriptures tonight. Um, and this is, uh, I'm going to bring out a little bit here of what, uh, <clears throat> what, the, the, what John the Baptist 3 verse 2 says, and John came out, he was baptizing in Jordan, in the wilderness there, and, he's, and there, the, the element, the key element here is, is what he brought forth right at the start with, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is come down. Jesus told us, he said, how in our model prayer, he goes, uh, thy will be done, thy kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. We often say on earth, but the Bible actually says in earth. I, is there a big difference? I think there is. Thy kingdom come in this earthy, earthen vessel and make a difference. We invite him in here in that little, that little prayer that he gave us and, and John said uh, uh, to, the, uh, to the religious people there that come down to be baptized, he told them to bring forth fruits, meat for repentance, and we're going to leave that until tomorrow night. But at the same time, he said, in this kingdom, if you, if you decide you want to join this kingdom, it's not about fixing over the, the, the old tree and just keep pick, picking off the bad fruit that comes forth and maybe trimming back the branches and somehow hope that that same old tree is going to bring forth different fruit if we just keep cutting it off so the congregations around us or maybe our family or the world maybe can't get a glimpse of what I'm really producing. I just keep, I'm really busy tearing off the fruit. No, in this kingdom, it is required of us that the axe is taken where? To the root of the tree. It needs to be hewn down. The old tree needs to go. There's nothing about, there is nothing about evolving in the kingdom of light. There's nothing about uh, uh, gradually being born again. You know, uh, and, and we, bring that, uh, we bring that message across tonight in, in a way that, that John said it's, it's time that the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree which bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. It's time for a new tree. You know, we, we, read, we heard a little bit about the, the resurrection. I'm not sure when it was, this morning or yesterday. But it is required of us that we recognize that we were born here in this kingdom of darkness in, in trespasses and sins. We were helpless and hopelessly lost in this without, without God. And we were not even of the genealogy of Israel. We were not even born as the people of God or as the nation of God. And, and there we, did, we were not even of the commonwealth of Israel. We were born with nothing to go by and no basis of truth to build upon. So now, if, so that's why, and, and I often think about why didn't Jesus this night when, you know, there was a night when there was a man, I'm not sure what he was doing this is one of the most prominent men in Israel of the day, one of the three richest men, one of the three most 
prominent in the Sanhedrin, Nicodemus. I'm not sure, and this is the, kind of the little vision I get. He's sitting there and he's reading the scrolls. He might be reading Isaiah. He might have been reading Jeremiah. And he's just uh, thinking about this. He remembers what this teacher taught. The other day I heard him preach and, and one night he's just sitting there and he just gets up off of his chair and he just blows out the light and he takes a walk searching for this teacher. Well, the teacher knew that he was coming, okay? He knew that he was coming and he was, uh, no, he was just, uh, he knew that Nicodemus would come and here he comes by the night and I don't know why he went in the night. For, we can speculate on that, but it doesn't matter. But here this prominent man, this religious man who understood the scrolls. He, he was taught. He was keeping the law. He was doing everything he had to do. And this man is the one who came to seek Jesus Christ. You know, and, and look at the message that he gave him. Jesus said, he said, he, he said, First, uh, Nicodemus said, yeah, we know that you're a, a good teacher, you're a rabbi, he called him. And he said, the miracles that you do, they can't be except you would be sent from God. And it, he's basically what I hear in that verse there, what, what, what can I do here? What, what can I do that I can have what I have and also have what you have? So the, the attempt to merge those two together was already very much alive. But at the same time, Jesus just diverted that. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, listen to these words. I know this is familiar with you, but it says, except. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born again, he is spiritually blind. He is, his eyes are impaired. Except a man be born again, the only thing that he can see is the here and now. He sees the circumstances that he is in. He sees the crippling, the crippling element of society. He sees the economy going down. He sees men, uh, all kinds of evil, and, and except we... Uh, uh, I'd like to tap into a verse there in Hebrews 11 along with this. Uh, what, what is this? What is, what is he saying? Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, in John 9, this, 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 this man that was born blind, and, and they, were, they, were, uh, they were asking him all kinds of questions, and, and, and finally, I just, I just love the way this man came out of the end. He doesn't even have a name in Scripture, and he, he comes out of the end. He said, well, it's... It's a marvelous thing that you guys don't get this. He said, but I was blind, and now I see. I don't know who this guy is. I never saw him. All I know is I was blind, and now I see. And brothers and sisters, I encourage you, do you see tonight? What happens when you read the holy word of God? Does it excite you? Think about it. Can, when, when, you, when you get the time of uh, maybe, you, maybe doubts arise, maybe fears arise, do you get comfort in going to here? Do you find comfort going to the Word of God? And, and, and that's, that's, those are things. And here is what Moses, in, in, in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 11, it says here in verse 26, 
talks about Moses. I'm going to jump in at 26. It said, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of reward, of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, you might have a question, how did he see Christ? How did he see Christ, who was not yet manifest, not yet out in the open? What did he see? You'll think, think on these things, and, I, and, and this, is what, this is what he saw here, that uh, he, he looked ahead and, and he was able to see ahead with, spirit, with a spiritual vision and cling to the promises of the scrolls that he was taught. And here was a man, a young man, that had the, we could say, uh, far more riches than was available to Tiger Woods. He was the next pharaoh. All he would have had to do is just come into Egypt and, and the pharaoh throne was going to fall in his hands. But he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater than all that. Because he looked forward and he saw him who was invisible. You know, brothers and sisters, I trust that our eyes are open tonight. That we can see, uh, we, we have much more. Brother Joe shared a little bit on that. We have much more than that. We have the written scriptures. We have the holy word of God. We have, we have it all here. There is absolutely no excuse for not knowing. And, but knowing and getting, getting it down in here is, what, is where the difference is. Uh, being, having rest assured. Moving on to... Uh, of course, Nicodemus was questioned there in John 3. But then Jesus answered again. He said again that, uh, he says, Verily, verily, well, Nicodemus, I'll read his question. He says, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Well, literally looking at that, you know, here's what this, here's what this man saw. He's, he's like, you know, uh, the term that Christ used, being born again, being born. Why didn't Jesus say, well, Nicodemus, you're going, to have to, you're going to have to change your ways. You're going to have to start thinking different. You're going to have to start uh, doing this and this and this and not doing this and this and this. But you know, Jesus went right to the heart. He went right to the very core of the matter to the very inner core of the matter. And, and this, is where, this is where he said it, And verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You see, before, before we have uh, the repentance part, the repentance is the key element to this, and often we get caught up in the fact that, uh, what, what is repentance? What, what, is, what does repent mean? Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um, what does repent mean? Somebody care to share about that? What do you, what do you think about repenting? What, what, does it, what does it mean? Turning away from. Turning away from. Changing your mind. 
Change of direction. Amen. Those are all good. Sisters have something. You see, repentance has a few. Uh, it has uh, it has a few elements to it, and we get a little caught up in this because the fact is that uh, it's it is turning away from our wickedness. It is making a. 180 degree turn, I'm going this way, and I repented at the foot of the cross, and I turn around, and I'm walking the opposite direction that I have gone before. Because now I turned away from, but I also turned unto, and holy God. We, it's not enough, you know, we, we talked about, there's a lot of, there's a, uh, I have five steps. We, we kind of get caught up in this. Sometimes we say, well, you need to confess your faults, and, and that's, that's true. Confessing your faults one to another, but confession is not repentance. You know, sometimes confession is like, uh, you know, my, <coughs> my iniquity has been building up and building up, and finally it's like... Uh, it's festering down there, and it's time to release the pressure. So I, I, I make a confession to the church in front of the church or whatever, and I, and I go home and still feed off of that old tree, only to take that whole circle again and again and again. So first, before we, we confess, there has to be a conviction of the Holy Ghost. And this is what, uh, the first step, and, and this is where I want to jump in here in uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians. Maybe I can have one of the brothers read that. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. If you would read that for us. Now, let's take note in that verse, the order that Paul wrote it. That's your whole spirit, soul, and body. Where did he start? At the core. He started at the core. And brothers and sisters, we can, I can stand here tonight and I can tell you all kinds of do's and don'ts, and, and, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that. Because there is nothing, there is nothing you can do to enter into the kingdom of God. There is, uh, there is nothing, you, you can pray all day for a month straight, 30 days straight. You can crawl on your hands and knees to the, to the Pacific Ocean twice a day, whatever you want to do. You're not going to, that, and, and praying all the way and fasting all the way, it's not going to get you into the kingdom of God. That, but, but what we must need is we must, be, we must allow God to condition us so that He is able to not only place us into the kingdom, but place the kingdom into us as well. That makes sense? And so, so we, we have to allow God to, to, to... He starts with the Spirit. 
And this is, this is God, and, and the way he did that, he come through the cross. He drew a line in the sand. On that line was the cross. We're not here to elevate the cross. I'm not here to worship the cross. But brothers and sisters, the man that hung there, he's not there today. He's not hanging there anymore. He was taken down from the cross. He was buried, and on the third day, he rose again. Hallelujah. He is the only, if you want to call it a religion, Christianity is the only way that has a risen Lord. He was dead, but he liveth forever. We have witnesses that have seen him, have touched him, have heard him after the resurrection. They ate with him. Through the cross, through Jesus Christ, through the crucifixion, through the ultimate and supreme sacrifice, God desires us to yield our lives so that He can break through the body and the soul and fill us with His Spirit. This part is dead unless we allow him to do that. I come to give you life and life more abundantly. I'm not talking about existing. I'm talking about having life. We don't have to wait to get to heaven to have eternal life. We can be excited for the Lord right now because when, when but there's one thing here. That God will not, the Holy Spirit will not move in here unless we allow Him to be King. And in order for Him to be King, there's another King here that has to be dethroned. His name is Self. We have to dethrone Self. He doesn't share His glory. He, he moves in to take over. He doesn't move in just to stay overnight. He wants to abide there. Except a man be born of water and of spirit. Now, when, when we allow him to break through and get to the spirit, and the spirit is now completely taken over and ruled and regulated and controlled by the spirit of God, now we have, yes, we still have the body and the soul, and we do have, uh, like the Galatians writes, there is a battle going on. In fact, it's a perpetual battle. But brothers and sisters, I, I don't want to get discouraged and think, well, what's the use fighting? It's going to go on the rest of my life. It surely is. But let me show you something. This battle here is, I, I picture kind of a, 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 a 12 by 12 room, and, and in this room is, is, is you, and here, here I am, I'm in this one corner, and, uh, uh, well, I'm not going to put you in one corner. No, here's the, the flesh here, the body is over here, and it, it's just in this corner, and over here, this is, a, this is the Spirit of God. Well, the Spirit of God has moved into this, in the very inner core of this body, and now here we have the, the flesh and, and I, I, don't really, I don't really look at the body as what I want to talk about, the flesh and the, and the blood. The flesh, when we talk about the flesh, we're talking about the entire system of sin. 
It's the entire system of sin where when we were born as, as young babies, we were born there and so this entire system of sin over here has a perpetual battle going on with the Spirit of God that moved into the midst of it. Okay? We allowed God to break through the body and the soul, and the Holy Spirit has now moved into the very core here, and there's a war going on. I remember, brothers and sisters, when I was in my teenage years, at, at 16 on to teenage years, there was no fight. The only thing I cared about is, is that we could live for the next party. That we could just make a next party out and live for the next weekend. There wasn't a fight going on. I had, and, and the only thing I really cared about is maybe that the ministers don't find it out, but you know the ministers knew all about it. And they really didn't care. They cared if they would actually seen it, but we'd done this all behind their backs in the darkness, and that's another whole story I'd like to get to tonight yet. But you know, uh, there, but once the Spirit of God entered into my, into my spirit to where my spirit could bear witness with the Spirit of God that I am His child. And I could obtain the assurance of salvation not because of who I am, because of believing, by faith believing, what God wrought through His Son on the behalf of me. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, and brothers and sisters, if, you ever, if, you, if you're here tonight and you're born again, and you ever get to where you wonder, am I or am I not, I want you to take a look at the object of your doubt. Why are you doubting? What is making you doubt? What is making you wonder? Ponder on that thought. You're going to find out a lot about yourself that you never knew. But I have good news for here. As the flesh battles, as a system of sin battles against the Holy Ghost, which is a perpetual battle as long as I'm still living in this body. I'm looking forward to the day I'm trapped in here for right now, but this body is not my own. God has bought it with a price, and, he, and it cost him the blood of his son, and, it, and it, therefore I am not the ownership of my body. Adonai is now the owner of my body. He, is, he has claimed ownership of this body because he moved in. He not only rules the spirit, but also the soul and the body. Complete control is all that he will put up with. Now, but here is this battle going on, and the good news about this battle is I'm the third party in here. All I need to do as I watch this fight going on between the system of sin and the Spirit of God, I need to make choices who to listen to. Day after day after day. Hour after hour after hour. And the more that I heed to the Spirit of God, the more He controls my entire being. He takes over. Whichever one of these you feed is the one that's going to grow. If you decide to listen to the system of sin, then the Holy Spirit can't stay there. Brothers and sisters, we live. There is a line. There is a line, and it's black and white. Either we are in or either we are out. 
And God knows that line. We are on one side or the other. Here is where God, when he moves into this spirit, into the spirit of man, and he starts taking control here, he can change the very motive of man. There are no ulterior motives. There are no hidden sins. They can't dwell there. They have to be cleaned up. And as he leads you throughout this life and this battle goes on, and you continue to heed to the Spirit of God, He will show you more and more and more. And all at once, one day, I don't know when it will be, and as you walk with God in that kind of a way, He's just going to say, Brother Luke, we're closer to my home than we are yours. Just come on in, is what He'll say. Brother Pete, we're closer to my home than we are yours. Just come on in. The Amias Road men, Think on these things. Overcoming daily. Overcoming. 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 I'm not talking about... I'm talking about tonight... I'm talking about a position, not a plateau. You don't reach a plateau and think, well, you know, we got it. Yep, we got it all together. I've reached this. That's not Christianity. Christianity is a position. You must believe in your position. If you don't believe that what position you have, and I'd like to share that with you a little bit tonight, we'll turn to chapter 1 in Ephesians. We're going to get a few verses out of there as well. It is necessary that we understand our position clearly before we, so that we, not before, but so that our practice, our practice, orthopraxy, what we heard about today, lines up with our position. But brothers and sisters, I, wanna, I, I, would like to make, I would like for you to make a note. If you doubt your position, I want you to read Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3. If you get done and you still doubt your position, read Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. And if you still doubt it, read Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 2, in chapter 3. It is all about your position. And let me talk a little bit about that tonight. Let me ask you this. I had a sister come to our house one day, and she, was, she didn't know if she was born again or not. She, she has this up and down thing, and I'm still not sure where she is today. But she kept going, and, and the object of her doubt was this, that I don't know if I accepted him right. If I come here tonight and, and I pound home, I was to my uncle's funeral about a year ago, and well, maybe more than a year, actually it's Diane's uncle, but we were there at the funeral, and the minister kept saying, um, in German, ihr misset Jesus annehmen. You must accept Jesus Christ. And I thought, wow. He said it about three or four times that day, and I thought, well, um, something's not right here. I mean, that's not, that's not, and I went home and I pondered on that thought. Can you find that in Scripture? This means yes, and this means no. Can you find the phrase, 
that you must accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Receive him. Um, I'll borrow that chair I, a little bit brother shared today. You know, if I preach to you that you must accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and society does that. You know, the, I had a Baptist uh, minister at my house one time, and he, he started out the conversation. He says, well, Dan, he says, how many souls do you have under your belt? <laughs> kind of caught me off guard. I said, well, I don't, I'm not real sure. He said, he, I said, he goes, well, I'm on 501. I said, really? Well, tell me about this. He said, yeah, I'll tell you. He said, I, I talk to the people and I, I share them Romans, the, the Roman road, and, and I share with them, and, and if they agree with me, I say, knee down right here. He said, and, and I'll, I'll tell you that this pray after me, say what I say, and he said, we get up, and he's on his way. He's good to go. That's false. That isn't true. But his, turn, his theme is, just accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Our brother shared today in Psalm 16 about setting the Lord before you. Okay, if all I teach you tonight and all I teach you this week is that you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and I leave you with that. This is what it looks like. Okay, we have, we have Jesus sitting back here in the corner of our, of our little room in and but uh, well, we're going on with our life, and we're 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 praying and and things. But all at once, things get a little bit rough, and we get in trouble. So we bring him out here, and we set him in front of us, and we, oh Lord, we we need you, Lord, we we uh, we bow down before you, we lift up the name of Jesus, and 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 then we get up from there, and we put him kind of back in the back room again. That's not the God we serve. What did he say? You know, we, we often read, we heard, we heard the terms that Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That is, that is a good analogy. Here, here, is, here is me, and I need reconciliation to the Father. The separation was done in the Garden of Eden. I was cut off. There was no way. I was born dead in the Spirit, and I need to be reconciled, which means united, brought back together, made one with the Father. I need that in order to be right with God. So all at once here, he, 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 is, the, he is the advocate, he is the middleman, and, and he says, Jesus Christ, the one who hung on the cross and was died, made the statement, no man can come to the Father, but by me. So that pretty well, that's all inclusive, and that is all exclusive. There is no other way. There is no other way, but that's not all he said. <clears throat> if I could have one of the sisters read John 6, I think, verse 35, if you would please. I think it's right. That's not the one I want. Okay, verse 37. 
Read verse 37 and also verse... Sixty-five. Sorry. And verse 44. What does that sound like to you? No man can come to me. The one, in the, the one who hung on the cross and was raised again from the dead made the comment, no man can come to me except the Father draw him. No man can come to the Father but by me was the path this way. Now no man can come to me except the Father draw him. You see, we don't serve a God that we can just get him off the shelf whenever we feel like it. We don't serve a God that we can just put in front of ourselves whenever we feel like it. We serve a God and Jesus also said, and I, when I be lifted up, when I be nailed to the cross, I will draw all men unto me. The drawing factor was that he hung on the cross and died. That was the Father drawing all men to him. Drawing, the drawing factor was that we come to him and through him, we be reconciled. Now, what I'd like to share with you is that position. And I'm going to read you a couple verses here in Ephesians chapter 1. Listen closely. <clears throat> Verse 4, it says, According as he... And I want, you to th I want you to think on these pronouns. Who they are. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. We don't have enough time the rest of this week to exhaust those verses. But I want to ask you a question. According as he has chosen, who, who hath chosen? Who hath chosen you? 
the Father. Through who did He choose you? When did He choose you? I hear before we were born, what was this? Before the foundation of the world. Why did He choose you? Excuse me? Why else? To the praise of His glory, of His grace. That's all good. For His good pleasure. Now I want you to think about this position. Before you had anything to say, before, and oh, he's, you might think, well, here he goes, John Calvin. I, it, it doesn't, uh, <laughs> God help us. I, I'm talking, okay, predestination, we're going to talk a little bit about that right now. God did not predestinate anybody to eternal damnation, okay? Predestination, we don't get the concept clearly of predestination. This is why. Because we are finite. And because this is how we think. We were taught this way in school. We were taught the past, the present, and the future. And tonight, you know, we, uh, these meetings were, they were future. They are now present. And it won't be long, they'll be future or, or, or past. They, uh, and, and that's how the, the fleeting moments that we spend together, uh, the very words I said five seconds ago, they're past. And that's how we think. That's how we have to think in order for our bodies to function. Okay? That's not how God is. You know, when God uh, was trying to get Moses convinced to go uh, to, go to Israel, to, uh, back to Pharaoh and deliver the children of Israel 40 years after the man had killed an Egyptian. He had thought he's going to take care of this problem all by himself as a young man, but as 40 years of taking care of sheep, we kind of changed the mind of Moses a little bit, and God said to go, and he says, I can't. I, I just can't do this. Well, finally, when he agreed, which brings me to mind a question that God might ask you sometimes, that he asked Moses. Moses said, I, I can't. He said, I, 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 I'm not going there. I, I'm not going to turn to the page. I don't know what all he said, but it's like, I, I, Lord, I'm, I'm not able. I, I, I'm not the best speaker. My tongue is thick. I can't. And God asked him a question. He says, uh, Moses, uh, what, what's in your hand? This old stick. This old dried out piece of wood. It's all this old staff. Moses, throw it to the ground. And it become a snake. Moses jumps back. He says, God said, well, grab it by the tail. And it became that old staff again. You know, brothers and sisters, sometimes you think maybe that I don't have much to do in the kingdom. I'm just here. I'm home with my parents. What's in your hand? Is it an iron? Is it laundry? There's a story about Mary and Martha. I don't have time to share it tonight, but sometime I might. But I want, to, I want you to think about that. Uh, but here, Moses came to the point, he says, God, he said, uh, 
Okay, he agreed to go. He said, but when I get there to Pharaoh and he's going to ask me who sent me, what am I supposed to say? Just tell him God sent you. No. What's he supposed to say? Tell him I am sent you. Jesus said when his day was here, he says, Abraham saw my day. He wanted to see my day and was glad that he saw it. And the people around him said, well, how's that? This guy's not even 50 years old yet. And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I was. I am. You see how God thinks? It's I am, I am, I am, I am. Now, I want you to think for a moment back when you got saved. Maybe you know the date, maybe you don't. Maybe you know, I trust you know where it was. I know, trust you know where God visited you and how it happened. You have a story. I trust that. Um, would you believe this if I told you this, that the day, the moment that God saved you, and the moment that you responded were exactly the same in God's eyes. That makes sense? Prior to the foundations of the world, He saved you according to the Word of God. He chose you before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. He predestinated us to be adopted of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Prior to the foundations of the world, you know, he saved you. He chose you. And that moment there and the moment that you responded to the call is exactly same to God the Father. There's no difference. Time does not separate things for God. He is not bound with the boundaries of time such as we are. So you see, and we can't, we can't get that. But I, and along with that question, I was thinking about that a few weeks back. So if God wouldn't have saved me way back then before the foundations of the world, would he save me now? Think about that. That's the kind of God we serve. How... how how unsearchable are his ways. And, and, that, and, and then, then it says here that in that time, and, and I, want to, I want you to catch the phrase in verse 6, it's, it's, totally, it's totally different than us accepting him as our Lord and Savior that we must believe in our hearts. If, if, I, if I have to accept him, uh, and, and there is an element to that. I know there's an element of my response, and I don't want to confuse you. I have to respond to the gospel. In other words, he's not going to barge his way in here. He's going to wait till I yield to, uh, till I yield to his power before he comes in and makes an abode there. And there's where he wants to dwell there. And, 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 but he says, wherein he hath made us, accepted in the Beloved. He has made it possible for us to be adopted into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of light, and therefore, this is where we now abide, in the midst of the kingdom of darkness. And this is where um, we come in contact with the kingdom of darkness on a daily basis. 
It's not that He didn't take us out of the world when we were born again. He left us here. I often have to think of that, uh, that uh, man that was living in the tombs and tearing chains when they tried to bind Him up and, and all that. And, and Jesus came there and, 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 and he, his, first, his first response was, He says, Oh Lord, He said, did you, come to, uh, did you come to torment us before it's time? And, 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 the, and the, he said, if you want to drive us out, the demons were speaking, if you want to drive us out, allow us to go into the herd of swine. And Jesus just said, go. But what I want to come to is, this man is now uh, and, and laying before him, he is dressed, he is sane, he is uh, uh, the, the entire difference, and, and when the time come and the, and the hogs were all in the water and the community told Jesus to get out of here, we don't want, uh, they're scared to death of him and they wanted him to leave and he, he got into the boat and this man that was cleansed attempted to come in the boat himself and Jesus said, no, he said, you stay here and I want you to go around your community and tell them what great things God has done to you, for you. And I, and I think that's a message for every one of us here tonight. That's why we're in the kingdom of the light, in the midst of the kingdom of darkness, to tell the kingdom of darkness what great things God has done for you. Those very people that told him to leave because their hogs jumped into the ocean, wow, we're not far from an ocean here, are we? You know, you could maybe have the same impact in Seattle, who knows? But if we, if we, those very people, I think it was less than three years later, the Lord came back and that whole community invited him to stay. That one man made the difference because he believed in his position and he functioned from that position by faith believing an, a life lived out for Jesus Christ. You see, and, and we, we're going we're gonna to close here. Again, I just want to uh, uh, pound home tonight. If you, if, you are, uh, if you are in doubt, and I don't, uh, I want you to make sure that this is where you are, that the Spirit of God has, has dwelt in you and, and uh, what is, what is that, what does that position look like? What does that position that I'm talking about tonight look like? And where does this, where does this salvation, uh, the conversion or salvation or being born again, change from the inside out? The spirit is changed. The Holy Spirit dwells here. The soul and the body are now new. And there is a newness of life. There is a new king, a new Lord, a new law, and a new constitution. Everything about you is new. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. Let me show you where you are. Where, where God has placed you. And this is not a position again that you have obtained because of your good works or for something, well I can't make a circle tonight. And you're going you're gonna to think this man all he knew was going around in circles all the while he was here but that's okay. Um, well, you get, you get the point here, I think.
Will somebody read John 14, verse 20 and 23? At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and he in me, and I am here. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him. Okay, this is, this is a believer, all right? This is, I'm talking about a believer's position. Uh, not because of what we have done, what we have said, but we read it in the Word, in the infallible Word of God, which was written by, over a period of 1,500 years, by 66, by 40 different authors. Many of them did not even live to see the other one that wrote and it never contradicts itself. The infallible, comprehensible Word of God. Okay? We agreed at the, at the opening that this is truth. Okay? And it cannot fail. We base our life on it. We base even our death on it. Now, Jesus said, and there was a young, uh, uh, again, I'm going to jump down to verse 23 a little bit. There was a young disciple that we don't read too much about. His name, John called him Judas, not Ishkariot. Well, the other, the other Gospels call him Thaddeus. I think for the sake of not giving him the bad name. I don't know why. But John called him, and this, this young man, I think he was the youngest disciple, and he was probably 17 or 18 years old. I'm just thinking that. And I think he was the nephew of James, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not real sure of that. But uh, anyway, this young man, we, we can't read, I don't think we read anywhere else, that he ever said or commented anything while he was following Jesus, more kind of a listener. But it's one thing he asks a question, he says, Lord. In verse 22, he asks a question, he says, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to believers and not to the world? Good question. How is that going to work, Lord? And, and, his, and the Lord's answer was so profound. He said, this is what he said, If a man love me, he will keep my commandments. And if a man love me, my Father will love him also. And he will keep my commandments. And then he said a pronoun. What's the pronoun in that verse? We. Meaning my Father and I will come and make a boat in him. Now let's look at verse 23. Read that again, brother. Verse 20, I'm sorry. Jump back up to 20. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. At that day. Think of at that day. That day is about 2,017 years old. This line, I'm amazed. I'm amazed at one thing. The line that God drew in the sand 2,017 years ago was so profound that time started over. And you can go with anybody in the world today and they would agree with you that it's April 4th, 2017. Based upon the line that God drew in the sand, and the, the day that he's talking about in that verse is now 
2,000, more than a 2,000 year period. At that day, he says, I will be in the Father, okay? So what are we going to put in this first section? Father. Father. What's the next one? Christ. I'm in the Father. What's the next one? You. You is right. Or me. All of us. Us. We could put us in there. Now what's here? Christ. You know, the first time I saw that, it made me weep. Look at your position tonight. Brothers and sisters, I want you to get this. I'd like for you to draw this in your Bible. If you ever have a doubt, if you ever have a fear of where God has placed you, look where you are. No man is able to pluck them out of my hand. And my Father is greater than all, and no man can pluck me out of my Father's hand. And brothers and sisters, I am not I, I am not a once saved, always saved person, but I think we also can take it way too far the other way. Let's not underestimate the keeping power of Jesus Christ. I believe firmly, once you have this position, why would you ever want to leave? Sandwiched in Jesus Christ, protected by the Father in the kingdom of light in the midst of the kingdom of darkness. Does it matter? Does it matter if the kingdom of darkness is all around me? It does not matter. I have nothing to fear. Though they slay me, it doesn't matter. And the worst or let's say the best that they can do to you is slay you. I remember we picked up a young hitchhiker. Well, he wasn't so young. We was going towards Pennsylvania. We picked up this man, and he had a bag, and his another brother and I, and I, I, we sat him in the back seat, the seat behind us, and I was, before we started out, I, I looked at him, and I said, uh, uh, Robert, I want to tell you one thing. I said, I don't know if you have a gun or if you have a knife or what your intent are. We're going to haul you where you want to go. But I wanted you to know, if you have a gun and you're going to kill us on this route, we're going straight up to glory, but I don't know about you. And you know, this, he said, I don't have a gun, I don't have one. And everything went fine. But it's, 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 it's like, this, this position, just, it, just, it just melts my heart to, to know where he puts you. He didn't just, he didn't just save you and and then let you hang out here. He didn't leave you fatherless. He didn't leave you without a teacher. He wants to, and besides this, his desire is to fill you with his spirit. And brothers and sisters, that's not a one-time prayer. When you wake up tomorrow morning, ask God, fill me with your spirit today. If you wake up Thursday morning, ask God, fill me with your spirit today. It's okay. We need that. We need... The daily filling. You say, well, I'm filled up. No. Fill me, Lord. 
I invite your spirit. One more passage, and I'm going to close tonight. And this passage is in Isaiah 55. This again has Isaiah 53. Sorry about that. It has a profound message. This was written 800 years prior to the manifestation of Christ. What's your name? Claire. Claire? Claire? Okay, I'm going to read this verse. Did you know your names in the Bible? Verse 5. 53, 5, but he was wounded for Claire's transgressions. He was bruised for Claire's iniquities. The chastisement of Claire's peace was upon him, and with his stripes, Claire is healed. Do you believe that? Amen. Put your name there, brothers and sisters. It makes it real. With his stripes, you are healed, past tense. It's a done deal. It's salvation here on earth. We don't have to wait to get to glory to enjoy salvation. We, yes, we, we moan, we, we long for him to deliver us from this body of death, from this body of, of, uh, that likes to go against us. We'd like to get out of this world, but that's not our call. That's not our call. He is the giver of life. He is the one that has the power to take it. I'm going to stop there tonight, and we may have a little bit more about that tonight, but we're going to talk about the fruits of repentance for tomorrow night. Fruits, meat, that uh, you now, if, you, if that's your position, there is a walk that is expected of you. Father in heaven, we just bow before you now in adoration and praise to the name of Jesus. Lord, we stand here tonight It's so thankful that you brought us out of that miry pit. Not only did you bring us out, Lord, you brought us into the kingdom of light. Not only did you do that, Lord, you brought the kingdom of light into us. You gave us a position wherewith we can fight the battles. We can fight the good fight of faith. We stand assured tonight, not what we say, not what we do, but what you said and what you have done. We have the assurance that our salvation is real. It is true and it is right because you are God and you cannot lie. We thank you for the plan. We thank you for the blessings of knowing this. And Lord, I just pray that you would just make it more real to us than ever that we are yours, that you are our good shepherd and teach us, Father, to know thy voice. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.